Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. You got to love the new year. This is the time that we can look ahead at what the year to come has in store for us and leave behind all the bad stuff of last year. This is where we're oblivious to that existential dread that's eventually going to fill our minds in about two weeks when we realize that every year is just the same thing with a different number. But today, today is about our New Year's resolutions that we'll keep until, you know, that first scoop of ice cream is in front of us. Today is about that promise that we made to ourselves on Christmas when we're eating our second round of cookies and pie, which, you know, I might have had three. But that's what's so great about this time of year. It feels like there's so much potential. There are no limits to what the new year could hold, no limits to the great things that can be done. Every year, my wife and I say, this is it. This is the year we're going to fix everything that's ever been wrong with our lives. We're going to go to the gym. We're going to keep up with our tasks. No more will we push laundry off another day because the jeans that I wore yesterday are basically, for the most part, still clean. But about a week later, I pass by a case of Mountain Dew at Walmart that somehow magically makes its way home into my fridge and in the same magical manner is gone in a few days. And this happens every year. Yeah, we're that couple. But there's a reason that this happens every year, and it's twofold. The first is that we're not being honest with ourselves. We set these lofty expectations that are nearly impossible to keep. Secondly, we're not being honest with each other. We tell each other these expectations and then get mad when we call each other out. You know, because I don't want to be judged when I get home from a rough day at work with a tub of ice cream in front of me. I just want to eat it like some sort of troll because I never learned to process my feelings only to eat them. But you see, this attitude is something that we all take part in, especially when it comes to our spiritual and church lives. We promise ourselves that we're going to be better. We promise ourselves by saying things like, I'm going to read four chapters of scripture a day, even though I've only looked at it twice last year. We say things like, I'm going to volunteer at church all the time, whenever they need me, or I'm going to go to church every Sunday, every time we have a service. But once it inconveniences us, we drop it so easily. Or we say something like, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to leave my old life behind and finally start living for Jesus. But again, in a couple, a few weeks, we forget those promises that we made to ourselves. So now you're probably thinking, dang, Joe, why do you have to be such a bummer? You are killing the New Year vibe, which I completely understand because I am. But hold on with me for a moment because there is a, there is a solution for us to succeed. There's a way for us to realize the potential of the new year. So what do we have to do in order for us to succeed? Well, the first thing is to set realistic expectations. Instead of saying, I'm going to volunteer all the time every week whenever they need me, we need to be real with ourselves and say, maybe once a month. Instead of saying, I'm going to read the entire Bible this year, we should say things like, I'm going to read through Mark in the next three months. By setting these realistic expectations, we allow ourselves to start slow so that we can become comfortable with the new habits we're trying to develop. The second step is that we need to work together. 
and we need to be honest with each other. Did you know that according to a Gallup poll in uh, 2018, that the number one cause of burnout in the workplace was because people didn't share the workload with each other? Or in other words, those workplaces lacked teamwork. This is also true when it comes to our personal lives. When we have someone to share with us, to share with and to keep us accountable, we are more likely to continue through the rough patches of what we're doing. For example, a workout buddy is a great thing to have when you want to start going to the gym because they can push you when you feel like staying home and vice versa. Let me share with you a story from Acts that helps show what I'm talking about here. This is the beginning of the first century church as told by the author of Acts, who also wrote Luke, by the way. The group of new believers had this practice where they made sure that none of them needed anything. It says here in Acts 4, there was not a needy person among them for as many as owned lands and houses, sold them and bought brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Isn't that insane? How awesome is that? I mean, look how the early church was working together with one another to make sure that they were all taken care of. But wait, there's more to this story. As the author continues into chapter 5, it says, But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back part of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard it. The young men came and wrapped his body, then carried him out and buried him. Now hold on, because this isn't even the best part. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. I love that it says such and such. And she said, yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead, so they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard these things. All right. Everyone who has ever said, I can't volunteer, I'm too busy, but in reality, we just sat on the couch and ate pizza to watch SpongeBob, we got to hold our breath. (gasps) Okay, I think we're good. I mean, it would be really embarrassing if I was just like struck dead here. Actually, that might be more compelling. Anyway, this story is crazy. Like, what the heck, God? I thought you were supposed to be a merciful and gracious God. And now you're just saying, "Mm, you're done to Ananias and Sapphira? So what in the world was the author's purpose in including this story in Acts? Well, it would seem that the author wanted to make sure that the people knew that God wanted his church to start off on the right foot. 
God wanted his people to work together in order for his church to succeed as a whole. That's why the author put these two stories together. Barnabas was the one to do it correctly. He sold his land and gave all the proceeds to the disciples. While Ananias and Sapphira decided to lie about the selling of their property, When you look at these two stories back to back, you realize that the author wants his readers to see what to do and what not to do. And we have no idea why Ananias and Sapphira did this. It could have been for a multitude of reasons, like fear they wouldn't get enough, or greed to keep some to themselves. Perhaps it was pride that said, we don't need to do as much as others do. Whatever the reason, it didn't work out for them. You see, it helps no one when we're not honest. It helps no one when we don't work together. To illustrate my point further, I want you to watch this video of an Amish community in Ohio building a barn. For those in our online sermon, please pause the video and click the link in the description. You see, what's so cool about this video is it compresses a 10-hour workday into a minute. That's it. It took them a day. Why? They don't have any special tools. They're Amish. So they're not using power tools or lifts or other stuff that's used in modern day construction. It's because they came together as a community to build this barn. But imagine for a second, what if only half of them worked on it? You'd probably say something like, sure, it might take them a bit longer, but it would still get done. Okay. What about a quarter? Again, you might say, I guess it would take them longer, maybe a couple of weeks. But what about four or five people? See, I think it might be kind of impossible for them to do it. When we start to subtract from their numbers, this task becomes impossible. It becomes an unrealistic expectation. You see, when we come together, when we work together towards the same goal of bringing heaven to earth, the seemingly impossible task becomes easy to overcome. That's why this church work just can't be left to those that usually do it. We all need to come together to help out. Imagine how much stuff we would be able to do if everyone in this room could give up a couple hours, a few hours a week, a couple hours a month, whatever works out for you. Imagine the lives that could be changed in our community. Imagine the kids that could be invested in. You see, that's what the author of Acts is getting at. That's the point of the barn raising video. I'm trying to show you that it takes all of us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for bringing us here. I thank you for the opportunities that you give in our lives. I pray that you guide us in this new year. I pray that you lead us to uh, ways that we can help out the church, how we can help out our community. I pray that you open our eyes to the needs of those around us. Lord, as we enter into this new year, we don't want to enter quietly. We want to start with a bang. So Lord, give us the courage to do that. Give us the guidance to know where to go, to know what to do. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done in our lives. And I thank you for this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. 
May you have a blessed week.